Listener Production. Car Sales acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Look, I've seen the safety star rating on the car windows, but I'll, I don't really know what it means. I guess I'm looking more for efficiency and price and how it drives. So that's how I make my decisions. We see the stickers with the stars on the windshield at a car yard, but not many of us actually consider what they mean. Safety ratings aren't often at the top of our new car wish list, but should we be paying more attention to them after all? Hi, I'm Erin Molan and welcome to Everything You Auto Know, an educational series about everything you ought to know about cars. To fill us in on how much attention we should really be paying to safety ratings is, well, there's no one more qualified, the CEO of ANCAP, Carla Horweg. Welcome to the show, Carla. Thanks, Erin. Looking at safety when it comes to cars, I feel like we're so blessed in this country maybe that it's almost the last thing we look at because we just assume that cars are safe. Is that the case? For the large part, yes, but ANCAP exists to provide people with really simple information about how safe those cars are. So we provide a zero to five star rating that's easy for consumers to digest. They can look at the rating and understand how safe the vehicle is and also be assured that there's been an independent assessment done on that. We've been going for 30 years now, so it is a long time that we've been in the market and having influence. So part of the reason that people feel that cars are safe is because ANCAP has been here for so long, actually putting pressure on the manufacturers to do the best that they can for consumers. And also on the other side, making consumers aware of how important safety is. Absolutely. So there is this base level of safety, but manufacturers can do more, can can add features, can do things that would lift their rating with you guys. That's exactly right. So the ratings that we provide are actually well above what the legal requirements are to sell a car in Australia. And I think certainly being someone who's relatively new to the industry, I was surprised. Um, You know, there are requirements, but they're not that high. So what ANCAP's doing is setting a really high bar for manufacturers to say, well, we know you can deliver this level of safety. We think this is what consumers want and deserve. Um, So, you know, they're incentivised to provide that, but the ratings aren't mandatory. So there are cars out there that have not been rated by ANCAP and there are cars out there that have been rated by ANCAP that haven't done so well. So it's not guaranteed that everyone's going to get five stars. So that should be one of our first stops is to look at where they rank because if if they're not allowing ANCAP to come in and inspect and to test, then that would make me a little bit nervous. That's right. And sometimes that makes us a little bit nervous too. And that's when we'll go in independently and assess a vehicle. Uh-huh. So we do have an ability to do that. We don't always have the manufacturer's cooperation, but for the main, most manufacturers are really on board with the process because they see that as a really important part of their sales for consumers. Point, exactly, it? exactly. So, do you have any examples of where you guys have come in and identified some vulnerabilities, say, and a manufacturer in good grace has said, "Yep, great, we're now going to take steps to improve that," and they have. Yeah, look, really, there are many, many great. of those examples. We have seen that across the board from manufacturers who've maybe not done so well in the early years of ANCAP and then after a while have started really committing to produce five-star rated vehicles. 
We've seen that with newer entrants where maybe they haven't quite understood how the process works and, and haven't done so well and then have come back in with new models, really looking to achieve that five-star safety rating. It sounds like such a simple question. I'm a mum of a four-year-old, so when I get into a car, protecting her and making sure she's okay is my number one priority and in how I drive, in decisions I make, roads I go on, etc. Why do we need to care so much about the safety of our car? Well, that's exactly the point. You might be a really good driver and, you know, a lot of people have never had an accident. They're very careful. They're very cautious about not going over the speed limit. But there are other people out there and accidents happen. So it's something that, you know, as a, I guess, part of the the road safety network, which is about safe vehicles, safe roads and safe driving, there is also an element of sometimes occasions where there might be a momentary lapse of attention um, or there might be another driver who's driving irresponsibly. So whilst you might be doing everything you can not to have a crash, being in the safest car that you can possibly afford is going to protect you and your loved ones in the event that something does happen that's outside the ordinary or that's not in your control. Mm-hmm. So that's that's part of, uh, I guess, what we look at with the ratings. It's about crash protection and how well the vehicle protects both the adults in the front and the kids that are in the back, but also now more so the, the ratings are focused on crash avoidance. Which is what we should be doing. <laughs> you know, that's the number one priority, isn't it, for everyone? Yeah, and I think that's something that we've seen come through in technology that's been developed by manufacturers. So I think it's also important that people understand that it isn't ANCAP developing this technology. This technology is coming out of manufacturers who are doing the R&D and looking at ways that they can protect people in their cars. And so things like autonomous emergency braking and lane support systems, which are I liken it to cruise control when you first had a car that had cruise control and it's like, oh, what are all these? Which now just feels like secondhand, like just completely normal. For sure. And so it's, it does take a little bit of getting used to. And I think, you know, there are certainly plenty of resources on YouTube for people to see how those technologies work in their particular car if they're not sure. But those things are there to assist the driver and it's to assist the driver in those situations where something unexpected happens. What kind of tests do you do currently? We do a lot. <laughs> so, so the tests are made up of really two broad components. There are physical crash tests, which is kind of what everyone thinks about when they think of ANCAP. Crash as test dummy type Exactly, thing, yeah. big smash. Mm. So we look at a couple of different sort of um, frontal tests there. One is a, a head-on simulation with another object, uh, a full frontal, which is straight into a wall. There's a couple of side impact tests to look at the, the kind of T-bone scenario and also a car going into a telegraph pole or a tree. And then we also look at whiplash and also, I guess, these um, pedestrian impact scenarios where the car's actually impacted a pedestrian or a cyclist. So we actually use some tools there which we sort of fire at the car, at the bonnet, and get readings on, on how badly damaged the instrument is that we're sort of firing using as a test object. So So you're actually looking at the safety of people who might be potential victims of being hit as well as those in the car, keeping them safe. Exactly. So the ability of the car to kind of protect against, you know, there's hard things in the engine bay. So is the bonnet actually structurally sound enough if you land on it that it's not going to hurt you from what's underneath? Um, So that's in the event of, you know, when we say the crash has actually occurred. Sure, yeah. But the other set of tests that we're doing 
And there are hundreds of scenarios of these. Mm. So we've got car to car, car to pedestrian, car to cyclist, the new one, car to motorcyclist. And then we look at lane support systems. How well does the car see the edge of the road? Is there an edge of the road? Is there a dotted line? Is there a, a solid line? And the speed assistance systems. So looking at can the car read the speed signs and also the driver monitoring. So how well does the car sort of read the driver's behaviour? So all of those things are tested across a number of different scenarios, daytime, nighttime. So there's literally hundreds. And that means that the ratings are really comprehensive. So we've done a lot of work and it's been done by engineers who are very finicky about the detail. The, <laughs> oh, tests, are, just, oh my the God. tests are very repeatable. Exactly. Yeah. So, And that's, I think, part of what can give people confidence in the ratings, that a lot of work has gone on behind the scenes to come up with that. Do you give five stars out often and what does it take for a car to be a five-star rating? The way the ratings work is to get five stars, you have to perform really well across all of those different tests that I talked about earlier. So you can't just perform well in one area and, you know, not concentrate on the others. So the idea is that the rating gives you confidence that the car performs well across a range of different scenarios both protection of adults and kids, the ability to um, protect vulnerable road users outside of the car and also, um, you know, provide assistance to the driver in those situations where something unexpected might be happening. What about older cars? If people are still driving, say, a car from the early 2000s and it might have had a five-star rating then, that I'm guessing would probably have changed by now? Should they be regularly getting their cars tested or is there a place they can go to check what the rating would go to over time? How does it work? So the rating stays for the car, but what we do now is we put a date stamp when we test the car. So you'll know what year it was tested to and that'll tell you which protocols it was tested to. So we up the protocols every couple of years. It gets harder and harder and harder to get a five-star rating. What we see with older cars, um, the stats are quite shocking. So vehicles that are 10 years or older only represent 40% of the registered fleet. But what we see is that they're overrepresented in fatalities. And last year it was around 70% of fatalities occurred in cars that were older than 10 years. Where would you say rating safety should come in terms of a list someone might write of a car, like in terms of what they want, whether it's a great colour It's got six seats for the kids. You know, it goes this fast, this fast in zero to one second. Should it be our number one priority when we're looking at buying a car? Yeah, it really should. And we've made it easier. We've just done some huge changes to our website to make it easier for people to compare, to find vehicles, to look at all those different aspects that that you talked about, Um, although maybe not zero to 100. but (laughs) (laughs) Within the the speed limit. Within the speed limit, of course. But, um, you know, we've got the ability to search by sort of broad price point, by um, powertrain as well, because a lot of people are interested in electric vehicles or hybrids. So you can go through and see which vehicles are available that have a five-star safety rating or that don't. Very well put. That's just as important, the ones that don't. Akala, thank you so much for your time. That's incredible. Pleasure. Thanks very much, Erin. Who knew there was so much work that went into that tiny little sticker? I don't know about you, but the safety rating has officially moved to my number one spot on my wish list, especially as a mum of a young child. 
Now, on the next episode of Everything You Auto Know, we talk about buying your next car with Edwina Gilbert. Buying a car is really emotive still. Everybody's factors are going to be completely personal to them. And for some people at the moment, it's just a supply situation. So even what they may really, really want, they're looking 18 months out and they really need to take what they can get. That's next time. See you then. This podcast is a listener production hosted by me, Erin Molan, and made in partnership with Car Sales. Executive producer is Todd Stevens, producer is Kelsey Menzies, and audio by Kelly Fulston. Listener.